Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas and Houston, even ahead of Austin. And this morning, <laughs> we have a really great surprise. Hello, Kelly. Good morning. How are you, Lynn? I'm great. And great. Sophie, welcome, Sophie. Hi, Yay. thank you so much for having me. Really yeah, excited to be here. I know. I just can't hardly believe this. So we're crossing uh, six time zones, many generations here. We've invited a special guest here today, Sophie Botsford. Is that how you pronounce it? Botsford? Yeah. <laughs> and Sophie is, uh, we've come into contact with Sophie through friends of friends in the UK where I grew up. And um, I heard that she was working on a co-housing project for her university thesis. And I was intrigued to learn more. She kindly agreed to have a couple of phone calls with me over the holidays. And I would just thought, wow, we've got to, we've got to bring this story into the fold of our co-housing story. Because I wanted to hear more about why did she pick co-housing for her thesis? And how had she even heard about co-housing? And why is such a young person being drawn into this concept? So we wanted to thank you, Sophie, and welcome you to our Co-Housing Houston podcast. And I know you're super busy and you have a big tutorial tomorrow and you have all kinds of deadlines. So we're just going to dive right into <laughs> what we're doing here this morning. Well, but Lynn, I, you know more of Sophie's story than I do. So I wanted yes. to ask Sophie if she wouldn't mind giving us a brief description of her project first uh, to tell us a little bit about what exactly you're looking at with co-housing and, and maybe why. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks so much, Lynn, for that really generous introduction. Um, so my project, I'm in my fifth year at Oxford Brookes University, which is in the UK. Um, and I'm looking at developing a series of intergenerational co-housing communities in Camden in London. Um, so they're designed for the 2050 scenario um, and they're kind of aiming to improve mental and physical health. So what I'm trying to do really with the project is develop a framework that can make it easier and quicker for co-housing communities to be developed. Um, but I found it's quite difficult to find the balance between giving all of the groups enough input that they feel ownership over their new communities, but also making a kind of more realistic um, way for people to implement these projects in the UK, because it can be quite a long process over- What? Sophie, where were you like five years ago when we started this? <laughs> it is a long process. Yeah, but that's amazing. So it sounds to me like you have both the interesting kind of how they get developed. And so it's replicable from place to place, which would be, you know, is interesting and different than the way it's generally developed here. But then also making sure that the community members have real ownership. I yeah, really like that. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. So I was just curious, um, how did you pick this? Um, well, we were basically given a brief um, from our tutors to develop something, a response in the Camden area. So there's a huge new King's Cross development, King's Cross master plan. Um, and we were told to develop something for a 2050 scenario. Okay. And last year I specialized in development and emergency practice. So we looked a lot at kind of refugee camps and designing for people experiencing homelessness. Um, so we kind of really looked at this social approach to architecture um, and I was really, really interested in that. And I 
spoke to a friend of mine who had done his dissertation at undergrad on co-housing um, and he'd spoken to a lot of the groups over here like all the women's co-housing in High Barnet, um, Marmalade Lane which is a great project in the Cambridge area um, and I kind of just got really into this into this idea of social architecture and how people can live as hmm. a group and support each other through this community um, and I thought it would be a great way for kind of people in the future to live a more um, sustainable way of living really. Yeah you, you've referenced 2050 and I know that there is a report about scenarios for in the year 2050. Can you talk a little bit about that because I don't know that everyone is familiar with that. Yeah so I read this great paper by um, Arup and they've kind of looked at a cross-section of um, four different scenarios that could potentially happen by 2050 so it's about um, planet health improving and social health improving so if they both improve um, if only one of them improves and if they both kind of decline and they've drawn out these kind of illustrations and kind of stories almost of what life might be like in those different scenarios um, so they're so global really, scenarios yeah kind of global scenarios and I've really taken that both improve because I want to be optimistic. <laughs> okay. Uh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even bit, but even within the improving co-housing fits within the improving scenarios is what you Yeah, definitely. So I'm looking at kind of a holistic approach to architecture of both climate and kind of people being more positive in the future. Um, yeah. that's what makes sense because I think there's a bit of a danger of looking at one goal in isolation, like in the sustainable development goals, mm. we, need to, we need to look at it as a holistic scenario. Um, and there is there are papers out there talking about this kind of idea of greenwashing and what happens if we focus only on, on the kind of climate approach. Um, so I think co-housing is a kind of way through shared resources and things like that, that we can reduce environmental impact and also create um, more positive living environments for people. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Our tagline, Sophie, is that we're, we want to live the values of connection and sustainability. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that those are the two, you know, best case scenarios that people feel <laughs> more connected, make better kind of human decisions, and that we have a, live a more sustainable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Sophie, I'm curious, is this something that um, you and your peers talk about today? Or are you really, is this sort of an isolated conversation in the realm of academia? Um, I think with my friends at university, we do talk about this because mm -hmm. my friends were all in this development and emergency practice. So we've got quite shared values on how we should kind of live and we're all quite climate focused. And um, a lot of them have gone into um, social kind of work. So I think in that kind of environment, I do talk about it and I try and speak to my friends outside of uni about or oh, this could be really positive, really positive mm -hmm. way to live. And I've been trying to talk to my family. Um, but I think in the UK, there's quite a big stigma around kind of co-housing. And I think the terminology, maybe people have a bit of a problem with like common house. I think people associate it so much to the kind of old commune. Mm. Um, and I, I know definitely, I mean, I'm by no means an expert before last year, I hadn't even heard of co-housing. So I think over here, it's quite a lot about the terminology. It's quite a lot about actually really educating people on what mm. co-housing really is, because I don't think people really know. And actually when I explain it as just living in a way that you support your community and you know your neighbors and you get on with them, 
then everybody goes oh that sounds great why wouldn't you want to live like that but mm. yeah I think the way it's framed um there's a bit of an issue with that over here you we know, found I... that here too in Texas mm-hmm. it's definitely oh, yeah. because it's a new concept to this state um a very independent living you know state <laughs> um we found that also that the terminology is sometimes a stumbling block yeah. Yeah. I, I wish the word, I wish that there was another word that didn't have to start with co because it goes yeah. too, it goes too much into, you know, commute communes and communism and ugh, <laughs> all those, you know, associations mm-hmm. that really don't fit what we're trying to do here. Let's look up the Danish word, Lynn, and we'll just use that instead. There you go. Yeah. 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 There yeah, we yeah. Go. I wonder if somebody needs to develop a new a new time right. yeah um, okay I'm sophie that's your yet. next project yeah After this, <laughs> your next project yeah. a linguistics degree yeah so yeah. i understand that there's that you're also focusing on the intergenerational aspect of co-housing that that is integral to your project for people to be able to live you know with young children with uh older folks um what do, is that specifically built into your project and and why did you make sure that that is part of of it rather than having it be kind of a senior co-housing or more specifically targeted? Yeah, I think looking at intergenerational, um, I just think I looked very much at kind of the different generations and how co-housing can be beneficial for all of them. I read a really interesting paper by um, Mata Architecture who had done a paper on rethinking intergenerational housing. And they looked at kind of different structures of how people live in intergenerational housing like students going and living in elderly people's homes and supporting Mm. them and there was quite a lot of um one way type of relationships so in that scenario obviously the younger people are expected to look after the older people um and I think in co-housing it's quite a lot more equal in that Mm -hmm. everybody kind of gains things from those relationships and it's positive for the elderly because they kind of get these new relationships with the younger children and they get to um, kind of stay young and active for longer, I think. Um, And it's, I just think it's positive for everybody. Um, So I'm, yeah, I was really keen to kind of develop an intergenerational response. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, my experience living in co-housing I felt like the intergenerational aspect of it was not only good for my kids to have extra adults around, but then also you kind of keep it in the neighborhood because you don't have to have, you know, like a hiring a babysitter or hiring, you know, somebody else. Instead, you have people in the neighborhood who are willing to kind of build relationships by doing those everyday tasks together. And that then it makes, it not only tightens your, your immediate community, but then it also makes it so that the relationships are valued beyond what you're paying someone. And it's mm-hmm. really different, I think, than when you have, a, a, you're hiring somebody into your house and paying them to do something. It just is a different nature of a relationship and, mm-hmm. and one that is not quite as durable, I have to say. Yeah. You know, Sophie, I'm just curious, um, all this research that you've done, all this explaining you've done, uh, you know, all the work that you're you're now trying to actually churn out to reflect all that. Um, how has it changed you today or informed anything you're thinking about doing differently in the short term before we get to 2050? <laughs> I think it's definitely changed the way that I look at architecture. I mean, most of last year was about kind of research. We didn't do all that much design work last year. Um, and it's really changed the way I see the built environment when I'm walking around. I did a lot of research on kind of 
how the built environment affects us when we're when we're walking around for women for for different groups um and now looking at this co-housing so I do when I'm walking around I find myself kind of picking out picking out things and and seeing how it how it affects me and how it affects my mood um I think the main thing that I've kind of learned really is to not give up on a difficult project because mm. in my <laughs> tutorials this has been something it's it's not an easy thing to argue in a university scenario it's not an easy project to develop um and I would kind of recommend anybody that's studying architecture to kind of stick with it and don't go with the easy route because I've learned so much I've got in contact with so many people that have been so helpful I mean Lynn you've been amazing at kind of sharing your values um and your kind of experiences of of co-housing and I've spoken to people over in the UK as well who have been super helpful um so there are people out there willing to talk to you so um I think those are kind of the main things just just stick with it and and keep learning about it that's wonderful. Uh, that is wonderful. Well, I I think we're, you know, unless you want to start diving into any other areas, I think we've captured a lot of what you were. Th was there anything else, Sophie, that you wanted to make sure you shared with us today? Um, yeah, I think one of the one of the other main things I've learned really is is the difficulty around the kind of like financial and legal mm. structure, really. Um, I know we spoke a bit about it, about how how you're financing your project and and the process of kind of the design um, and how much involvement you've had in kind of floor layouts and things like that. Um, I think one of the things I've really found is that it doesn't always translate to the UK scenario, like every country is different. Mm. Um, yeah. Politics plays quite a big role in it as well, um, especially when you're looking at kind of social housing and things like that and affordable housing affordability is something that I've kind of just had to steer away from in my project because in London it's I mean we can say that 80% of market value is affordable but actually who's that affordable for yeah, um, yeah. so it's something that I've kind of just steered away from because I've had some difficult conversations around that um, so yeah when I've been looking at projects abroad and and speaking to people who have like I spoke to somebody who used to live and work in Denmark um, and mm -hmm. obviously they've got huge numbers of co-housing communities over there um, but actually translating that into a UK context is is really difficult because it's not the mm -hmm. same legal structure it's not the same political climate um, so that's been a really interesting learning curve for me. That is interesting Sophie that not only is co-housing a solution you know for individuals to get it built but also perhaps for politicians to start to look at our mm. laws and see if there are ways that we can make a more connected and sustainable living situation for a greater number of people mm -hmm. yeah exactly and I think it's really difficult to kind of get your head around how obviously our population is growing we need more housing but actually the construction sector is such a massive contributor to climate change so how do we kind of deal with that and I think that mm. is quite a political thing um, mm. So that's kind of why I was looking more at, at developing this framework rather than just one individual co-housing community, because I think it is something that needs to be mm. more widely implemented. Yeah. Then, and if it's replicable, it's less expensive. That's wow. great. Well, you know, yeah. Sophie, I would love to talk to you again. After, when is your thesis going to be turned in? Uh, this is due in May. So I've still okay. got a few, 
few months I've got to kind of make a building now because I've done so much um so much research and so much chat and I've actually got to design something now so it would be on this afternoon it would be (laughs) fun to come back and chat with you after you turn it in and you've got you know I'm sure you'll have some reflections at that point if you're willing um we'd love to we'd love to call back um and chat with you and we will in the foot in the notes in the podcast we will include some of these references that Sophie's mentioned like the Arab study and the intergenerational paper we like if if that's accessible i don't know if the intergen paper is accessible yeah it's yeah it is online okay um, great matter architecture so yeah so listen up all of your architect students out there and <laughs> go check our program notes <laughs> yeah. you'll get some good information useful papers <laughs> Well, Sophie, I just want to thank you once again for being open and willing to just dive into this uh, unknown waters with us. We really appreciate it. Maybe you can use this for your thesis as well. You've been very (laughs) articulate here this morning, so we really appreciate that. And I just want to thank our listeners for stopping by again. So glad you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about co-housing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. Oh, and we have a groundbreaking coming up in a couple of weeks, so definitely be checking that out. Okay, (laughs) bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Thanks, Sophie.